Amen. Good morning. It is a good day, yes? God is on the throne. He is in control. You are not. And everybody said amen. I am so grateful when I wake up in the morning, one of the first thoughts I think is I'm not in control. And I just, ah, so good that God is in control. Amen. Amen. I've got a little scratch in my throat. We're going to see how this goes. I'm, I'm feeling like I can make it through this service, and we'll just worry about next service, next service. Yeah? Uh, does that sound good? Well, we are in week two of Pivotal. Uh, I think this is an important series. Of course, I think every series is important. It's a series. Uh, it's like if you ask my mom if she loves me, she says, yes, I love him. He's perfect. Uh, so I think every... Every series is a great series and a very important series. But for me, I think this is a series that can have an impact in our lives as we recognize pivotal moments in our lives. There are times, I mean, hopefully day by day we're growing in the Lord, we're, we're maturing in God. But there are times in our life that come along, days that come, decisions that come, uh, opportunities that we have that come along. And in that moment, you can accomplish more. You can grow more. You can, that, that those influence our success spiritually more than just everything. Every other moment. You know, this is a dynamic that's present throughout our lives. If you're in school, then test days are pivotal moments, right? Like how you do on that test determines you can study all the other time, right? But if you, if you, if you mess up on test day, then that is a pivotal moment that has an outsized impact on your success and your opportunity to grow. Proposal day, you're dating somebody and you propose to them, that day has an outside impact on the, uh, oversized impact on the rest of your life, right? She says, no, things are, things are going a different direction than if she says, yes, right? In your marriage, there's a day that comes when your wife says to you, do whatever you want. I've been married 9,441 days. And I just want to tell you, husbands, do not do whatever you want. Whatever it costs you, you have come to a pivotal moment. And if you do whatever you want in that moment, it is, it is a fork in the road, right? You need to circle back and you need to say, oh, obviously we need to talk more. We need to talk more about this. And spiritually, those moments are there for us as well. And we talked last week in part one. And again, I think this is so important because it has such an impact on our community, on our lives. Uh, I just, in my mind, envision you like going out in all the different places that you go and you represent the Lord as his ambassador. And God prompts us. We talked last week. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And he will prompt you sometimes. He will prompt you to say something in a moment to somebody that you maybe wouldn't naturally say. He'll prompt you to do something specific. Hey, I need to pay for this person's pumpkin spice latte, right? Like, I need, I need to do something in this moment, and God can prompt you to do that. And think about all the places that you go. I don't want to re-preach last week's sermon, but I was just very excited about it. All the places that you go, right, and the, the Holy Spirit is there, and he can prompt you there. Like tomorrow morning, we're going to scatter. Oh, man, I, I, I said I don't want to preach it again, but I'm just excited. I mean, you're going to scatter. You're going to go to all these places as God's representative. If we are sensitive to his prompting, and that can be a pivotal moment in your life and in the lives of the people around you if you listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I think that was important. If you missed it, uh, youtube.tv slash, not .tv, youtube.com slash FCCWV, and uh, you can listen to last week and check it out. I think it was important if you missed it. And this morning, we've got another important message. Again, these are all my babies, so I, I, love, I love them all. I think they're all beautiful and important. But we have another uh, important message this morning about times when things don't work out in your life. 
when, there's, when you're faced with disappointment. Because that is a pivotal moment in your life spiritually. When, when things don't go according to plan, when things kind of fall off the rails, and how we're going to approach those moments and how we're going to handle those moments. And so we're going to read from James chapter 1 and from 2 Peter chapter 1. And these are just very formational chapters in the, in the New Testament. And uh, if you're not currently reading any, anywhere and don't have a, a devotional plan that you're doing, I think just taking some time this week and reading James 1 and reading 2 Peter chapter 1. It's always tempting for me to just read you the whole chapter, but I'm not going to do that this morning, but I think it would be helpful. But I want to read for you James chapter 1, uh, verses 2 through 4. It's going to be on the screens for us, and then we're going to flip over to 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. James 1, 2 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Amen? Amen. First Peter uh, chapter one, second Peter chapter one, verse three. That's a lot of numbers there. Two, one, three. Go. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. I'm gonna read it one more time. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these things, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Let's pray together. God, I just rejoice in your word today. Lord, as I, just, as I read it, I, I just sense the power of your spirit. God, I sense how you cleanse us and equip us through your word. And God, that is our desire today. We come into this place first to worship you and to give you thanksgiving for every good thing in our life is from you. And God, then we draw near to you, asking you to encourage us and to strengthen us. We desire to live for you. We are your people. So God, will you equip us by your spirit to do just that, to live for you. And to persevere, we ask it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. I'm I'm excited, and my throat is not cooperating, and this is just going to be an interesting time together. But, you know, disappointments are hard. And we all face disappointments, and disappointments are hard. I mean, uh, it's, you know, we kind of come to church sometimes, and we pretend everything's okay, and, and uh, everything's great, and, and that's really destructive, because then it makes people think, oh, well, I'm the only one that, that sometimes faces disappointments, and that's not true. We all face disappointments. We all face hardships. There are ups and downs in all of our lives. It doesn't matter how close you are to God. You're going to face ups and downs in your life. I remember when I was 18 years old and, and I was getting ready to play basketball in college and I, they told me I had to have heart surgery and I couldn't play basketball in college. And I remember sitting in that hospital bed and just the disappointment uh, washing over me uh, in that moment. Uh, I, I remember um, when I received the thin letter from graduate school. 
Um, you know, there was a graduate school that I wanted to go to, and if you get the thin letter, uh, that means that they're, uh, so, we're sorry, we, you're, we're sure you're a great person, uh, but you don't get to come here, right? It's the, you know, and my buddy who applied to the same graduate school, he got the thick letter, and I was just, you know, the thick letter it has an application in it, and we need all of your details and everything, because you're going to come be a part. And I did not get to go and be a part. And that changed the course of my life. And I look back now, and it's great. But in that moment, there was that moment of disappointment, right? I, I, I remember, um, and, and I, I say I remember, and I'm looking at my list, which I find ironic. Um, <laughs> and I can't read my own writing, uh, which is, uh, I remember getting fired. Maybe this is why I'm trying to push these memories out of my, in my head, right? But I remember getting fired. Uh, from my job. I remember getting downsized once, and I mean, those were uh, very disappointing days. I mean, I didn't envision that happening. You know, there's some jobs where you're like, uh, you get fired, and you're like, woo, <laughs> you know, oh, I got fired. You know, I couldn't help it, <laughs> uh, right? Uh, but there was some where, hey, I, I got fired, and it's, uh, it's painful. Uh, I remember the day that I, I found out uh, that the chicken, egg, and cheese bagel was no longer going to be a Chick-fil-A, <laughs> and just the disappointment that washed over me. <laughs> Anybody else? Okay. All right. That's cool. Um, maybe you've had similar disappointments. Maybe you've had different kinds of disappointments in your life. You know, I mean, I've known people that have had their heart set on a certain home. Uh, and they were, were trying to buy a certain home, and, and they, they visualized where the furniture was going to go and how they were going to live and where their kids were going to go to school, and their life was going to be amazing. And then the deal falls through, and somebody else buys their house, right? And they put the furniture in all the wrong places, right? And somebody's living in your house, right? And it's just the disappointment of that moment and how real that disappointment can be. Maybe you tried out for a sports team and, uh, you know, you, you find out, hey, you got cut. You didn't make, you didn't make the team. Uh, and then, that, then your friends find out you didn't make the team. And then your dad, who you know planned to live vicariously through your sports career, right, finds out that you didn't make the sports team and just the disappointment that comes over you in that moment. I mean, if you've had a friend before who you thought was your friend and then they betray your confidence or, or, or they just don't include you in things and you find out, you know, through the events that you're not really as close as you thought you were, you know, you, you find out that your spouse that you thought you were going to live your life with and you had a picture of and then they come to you and they say, you know, it's over, they don't want to try or else something that they've done comes to light, and that disappointment just washes over you in that, in that moment when there's just that anger and that surreal kind of numbness that comes into that moment, that feeling of hopelessness in that moment, that, that moment when just the, the, your hopes kind of die and, and there's that alternate future that becomes real, and in that moment you can just feel your heart beating like thinking this isn't real, and just that reality of that disappointment. And then when we, you open the scriptures and you think, well, what do the scriptures have to say about disappointment? And you see James 1 and it says, count it all joy, right? Count it all joy. And in that moment, you think, is this like some sort of sarcasm? Is this something, you know, like when your grandpa does, you know, something bad happens to your grandpa and he goes, oh, joy. And you think, well, that's, it's, it's a, there's a little tongue-in-cheek, there's a little sarcasm, and you look at the scriptures and you say, count it all joy. Is that, what, what is that? But it's not until you really dig into it and you really begin to understand it that you understand what God is saying is wisdom. 
God is speaking to us wisdom. And wisdom always asks us to take a step back and to see the broader picture. And joy in the scriptures describes for us the understanding of the broader picture. The fact that we are eternal beings. The fact that God is in control. The fact of all of these things that are going on in our lives allows us to have joy even in the face of disappointment. Now, it's important, and you've heard me say this before, but I I say things a lot because I'm trying to get into your stony little heart. We have to understand the difference between joy and happiness, right? We read in the scripture, it says, oh, joy. And we think that joy, oh, I'm going to be happy all the time, right? And that's where a lot of the fake Christians kind of get that vibe from. They're thinking, well, to be joyful in God is just to be happy all the time. How are you? I'm just happy all the time, right? I'm not happy all the time. And no real person I know is happy all the time because joy and happiness are not the same things. Happiness is a temporary emotion that is usually linked to something positive happening in my day. Like, I am temporarily happy and I feel that happiness. But joy, as it's reflected in the scripture, is a mindset. A mindset that leads me into every circumstance and situation and says, this might not make me happy, but God is still in control and ultimately I know where I'm going to be and I know what's going to happen. I'm going to be with the Lord in heaven forever. He's going to wipe away every tear. He's going to be in control. Ultimately, wisdom is going to flood into my heart. I'm going to get a broader perspective on things and God is still in control. And joy and that mindset is what is in the driver's seat of my life. You've heard me say this too, and I just keep repeating myself, hoping that it just kind of gets in there. But emotions are wonderful. They are great passengers. Emotions are horrible drivers, right? The joy of the Lord is what drives my life, the understanding, the wisdom, the broader perspective. But in the passenger seat, there can be sadness, there can be anger, there can be anxiousness, but it's in the passenger seat. And listen, I, I'm an apologist. I'm an advocate for emotions. I think there's a lot of people that, you know, they, they, if they have a platform and they're trying to teach or whatever, and the vibe that you get, even if they don't say it directly, it's like, well, emotions are bad. Just don't feel things. Like, if you can just not feel things, then you can be more mature. And maturity is really not feeling things. And uh, I I tend to view myself as as sort of mature, right? Um, And that, I didn't want to laugh right there, but thank you. Uh, And and, and yet, I, I think that emotions are amazing. I think emotions, there are times when I feel things, and I'm, and, and it helps me to understand what's going on. Like, I'm feeling it, and I, and I, I will literally say to myself, why am I feeling this? And it'll help me. It'll point me to something. Oh, I see. I see why I'm afraid of tomorrow. I I had forgotten. You know, my brain was processing an appointment that I had that I was a little bit worried about what I was going to say and how it was going to go. And I'm feeling this in my heart. And and then the the fear there or the, the anxiousness causes me to think and to reflect and to prepare. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad I had that fear. Because if that fear hadn't awoken me up, I would have walked into that meeting unprepared. But you see, that fear, that anger, there's times when I get angry. I just, there's sometimes I just need you to say, you know, me too and yes, so that I'm just not the only one. There's times when I get angry. There's times when I get just bitterly sad. But the thing is, that is not what is driving my life. 
I'm grateful for those emotions. I think they're good. I think they're helpful. You know, I really like the days when I feel happy and when things go my way. I love those emotions. But they don't get in the driver's seat of my life. The joy of the Lord is what is in the driver's seat. And what James is saying to us is, listen, you need to allow the joy of God to be in the driver's seat regardless of what you face. And we're talking about pivotal moments this morning, and there's times when we face those disappointments. And when we face those disappointments, if the broader perspective of God remains in the driver's seat, God wants to work in those moments to mature you and to help you to grow in him. When the emotion gets in the driver's seat, do I even have to finish the rest of that sentence? Because, I mean, I've done it. You know, you've probably done it, yeah? Yeah. You've, you've certainly seen it, right? And that disappointment comes and, 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 and the emotion gets in the driver's seat and, and begins to take you to places that you shouldn't go. And it's in that pivotal moment where we have to decide who's going to be in the driver's seat. Who's, gonna, who's going to navigate me through this experience? And, and you know, we have some, uh, a little bit of workout equipment up here this morning because I wanted to give you just this visual. I want you to understand that as, as it relates to the New Testament, that God says that those moments, right, it says throughout, this, throughout the New Testament, I could have, I read you a bunch of scriptures last week, and I could have done that again. But I just, I, I zeroed in on two. But it says throughout the New Testament, those times when you have to decide who's in the driver's seat and you have to cling to the joy of the Lord, those are the times that strengthen us spiritually, Nobody knows how strong they are unless they've faced a test, unless they've faced a trial. And when hopes die and dreams die and a vision of the future dies and our expectations are not met, those things become for us the weights for our spiritual life. Those things become, all right, am I going to enter into the gym and am I going to get in that moment and I'm going to exercise the discipline that it takes to hold on to the joy of the Lord? It takes discipline. It takes, it, it takes your heart being focused on God and leaning into the Holy Spirit so that you say, you know what? I had this vision of the future, but that's not going to happen, but I trust in God. I had this hope, and, and you know what? It doesn't seem to be, it is deferred. It doesn't seem to be happening, but I trust in God, right? And, and it's in that moment as, as it describes spiritually, like this is when you work out. This is when you grow. This is when you mature. Unless you decide, unless you decide that you're not, unless you decide in that pivotal moment, I'm not. I'm going to pitch a fit. I'm going to get angry. I'm going to blow up relationships. I'm going to blow up things because in this moment, the emotion's going to get in the driver's seat. The joy of the Lord is going to be distant memory. And I'm not going to grow spiritually, but instead, I'm just going to make everybody else feel like I feel. You see, in those moments, fundamentally in that moment, the question is, can I, even in this pain, trust God and lean into his purpose, plan, and dependability? Can I, even in this moment? And I want you to know, I know that these things are easier said than done, okay? I mean, it's easy to stand up on a Sunday morning, right, and to say, oh, when bad things happen, just trust the Lord, Right? But the thing is, if we never articulate it, if we never dive into it, then we don't know what the goal is. So when that pivotal moment comes on us, we don't know what we're trying to do, right? 
This is hard to do. It's way easier to say it than it is to actually do it. It's difficult. But in that moment, it's an invitation in to the spiritual gym of God of saying, am I going to trust in God? This is hard, but I'm going to stay faithful. This is difficult. I don't want to let go of that. I don't want the alternate future. I, don't, I want what I want. But even here, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. And it's this where God says, I want to use that. God's, listen, uh, on some level, and we can talk theologically at some point about how, you know, why do bad things happen and, and shouldn't God, if he's so powerful, just keep everything perfect. And the, the truth is that God is, has a perfect future in the plans for us. And that is heaven. And we want heaven to invade our reality now, and we want our reality now to be perfect. And it's not because there's sin and there's freedom in this world, and this world is broken. And even if I don't sin, people around me sin, and that sin impacts me, right? And, and so th there's going to be disappointments in our life. And we step back and say, well, why did God let this disappointment in my life? God allowed it, yes, on some level because he's ultimately in control. But what we're longing for in that question is for heaven, and God does have a perfect future for us. But God says, listen, now you live in a broken world. Disappointments are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen because you're, we're surrounded by sin, right? And God says this, I want to use those experiences. I want to redeem those experiences so that even though you live in a broken world and even though it's hard and even though there's, there's these things that happen, God says, what I can do, look, why don't you follow me in that disappointment into the gym and I'm going to redeem those experiences in your life by causing you to grow. Remember, you are an eternal being. God's mindset for you is not this life. He's not inviting you into the gym so that you can work out spiritually, so that in this life you can be spiritually strong. No, God is thinking about now, but he's also thinking about 100,000 years from now. He's thinking about a million years from now. And God says, in that disappointment, I can accomplish something right now in this moment. If you'll come in here for me, with me and grow and hold on and process through and allow the joy of the Lord to continue to inform your life, I can grow you because you don't know where you're going to be 100,000 years from now. But God says, I do. Why don't you come on in and let me prepare you for something that is beyond your imagination. And it's with that perspective that we're able to keep the joy of the Lord. We're able to say this pain, this is disappointment, might be bigger than this life. But God is going to accomplish something that is bigger than this life if we allow him to do it. He's so good. He's so good to give us the freedom, isn't he? Don't, I don't, have you ever prayed the prayer, just God, just take all the freedom? God, I don't want to have to decide. God, I'm just so angry. I'm so disappointed. I'm just so bitter. Like, just take me and just make me feel the joy of the Lord. Like, you just take over, God. Like, I trust you. You just do. But he's so beautiful. He says, no, I, I, I give it to you. Like, you've got to choose. Because I love you. Because love doesn't force. Love doesn't demand. Love is an invitation. And God says, I invite you in this moment into this space where you can exercise and you can grow spiritually and I can redeem this moment in you for all of eternity. And in that gym of 
of growing stronger spiritually, the Apostle Peter says, listen, these are your goals. This is where you're going. This is where you're headed. And the first thing that he says, and, and, and as we look, let's look back at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7 here, because he gives us a list. And he says this, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith. So faith is the first fundamental thing here. When we face these disappointments, right, Peter and James are writing to these diaspora Christians who have been driven out of their homes and, and are facing difficulty and facing disappointment. And he says the first thing that you have to have is your faith. And this, here's the question, and honestly, I mean, this is a question. Are you going to trust God? Are you going to have faith? I mean, sometimes when that disappointment rolls in, and, and I mean, one of the first things that bubbles up into our minds is, is there a God? Like, how, how does God, how do I pray? How do I live this way and yet face this disappointment? And Peter says, the first thing you got to decide is, are you going to believe, right? Are you going to hold on? Is, is your faith going to be there that God is there? Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, it says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And there's in that moment of saying, in this disappointment, am I going to continue to believe in God? It's like, I, I, wait a minute, like, this is Sunday morning. <laughs> like, I thought we just assumed, like, everybody continues to believe in God. Well, I, I want to tell you, there's some people that have been here on a Sunday morning in the last year or two, and they've decided through disappointment and challenge, they no longer believe. And they've stepped away. They, they don't have an understanding, in my mind, they don't have an understanding of the fact that we live in a sinful, broken world, and bad things happen to all of us. And what your heart is longing for is heaven. But in that moment, right, you have to decide, am I going to continue to believe? Is the joy of the Lord and the wisdom of God going to guide my life? And then Peter says to us, he says, add to your faith. And in the NIV, it says goodness. Can we go back there to 2 Peter 1? There we go, 5 through 7. He says, and make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And that NIV translates that word goodness, but many of the other translators translate it as virtue. And uh, I think that that virtue is actually a better representation of the Greek word. And virtue speaks to us about the kind of person that you're going to choose to be. Do words matter to you? Do actions matter to you? How are you going to carry yourself through the ups and downs of life? Who are you going to be? Peter says, listen, the first thing you've got to decide is if you're going to trust God or not. Are you going to stay there? Your faith is you going to keep it. The next thing you've got to decide is what kind of person you're going to be. Who are you going to be? Do you care about what, you know, how, how you carry yourself through all of these trials and things? And I think there's a call in the scripture to say, yes, I, I care about my testimony. I care about how I respond. I want people to see me respond in challenges in a virtuous way. As a testimony to say, yes, you too can, can hold fast. In a virtuous way. And there's a quote from Aristotle, and, and uh, I, I can't think about virtues without this quote. And I think all truth's God's truth. So if you get mad at me for quoting something other than the Bible, then, I, I, you know, sorry, but here we go. Courage is the mother of all virtues. Without it, you cannot consistently perform the others. I cannot hear the word virtue without thinking about this quote, and I think it's so true. Because you know what? It takes courage. It takes courage to get up, dust yourself off, and walk out even into the face of all of the, of the challenges of disappointment. And we have to decide in that moment, who am I going to be? What virtues am I going to hold, hold true? Add to your faith 
goodness, and virtue. And he says, add to your goodness knowledge. Knowledge. In that disappointment, there's probably a lot of things that you want to know, right? Who, why, how, what's happening. Well, how are you going to handle that information? How are you going to handle? I mean, there's probably somebody to blame for your disappointment, right? And, you know, that person could be external to you. (laughs) There could be somebody out there that you blame. How are you going to handle that? When you get in there with that knowledge, how are you going to handle that knowledge? Are you going to be gracious with that person? You know what stinks? Is there sometimes when you're disappointed and it's your fault. We don't like to talk about that. But here's the thing. How are you going to handle it? How are you going to handle it? Are you going to be gracious with yourself? You know, you need to be, you know, you need to be gracious with all the people involved. You need to be gracious with the other people, you know, because if somebody really does you wrong, they're going to answer to the Lord, right? And, and I don't want anybody to, to, to feel the, the anger of God. I want there to be grace in their lives. And you know what? When I mess up, I need to be gracious with myself. I'm not perfect. I don't know everything. Sometimes I make mistakes. Sometimes you make mistakes. But in that knowledge, sometimes we internalize that. And it takes us to a very unhealthy place. We end up bitter at other people or we end up so discouraged in ourselves that we can't overcome it. How are you going to handle that knowledge? In all of these things, are you going to have self-control? And I think this is Peter's way of saying, are you going to let the emotions into the driver's seat in this situation? He says you got to decide if you're going to continue to trust God. you got to decide what kind of person that you're going to be. You, as you gain knowledge about the situation, you got to decide what you're going to do with it. Are you going to get angry and bitter? Or are you going to have grace with yourself and with others? And then are you going to have self-control? As you gain that information, uh, is what's gonna, is, are you going to leave the emotions still as passengers? They're good, they're good passengers, right? I understand. Feeling angry sometimes is, is, it helps how I process things, right? Being angry sometimes, this is not in the script, okay, so I may get in trouble here. I don't know. Being angry sometimes gives me the energy that I need to process through what I need to do, but I still don't let it in the driver's seat. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but that's just, that's, that's me, and that's, that we're here. But Peter says, listen, are you going to be self-controlled in that moment? Then he says, add to self-control perseverance. All right, we're, we're here on Sunday morning, and we're being honest with each other, right? Like, sometimes that flush of disappointment, I can be a good Christian boy. But then the next day, right? The next day, after I've slept on it and I've kind of gotten into it a little bit and I've gritted my teeth all night, and I start, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to let this anger into the driver's seat. You know, there's sometimes in that moment, like you could say, hey, I'm going to, I believe in God. I know who I'm going to be in in that moment. But then over time, you begin to erode and and you're not really surrendered to the Lord. And Peter says, listen, to all these things, you've got to add perseverance. These things have to be pillars in your life, not just a passing idea, right? Oh, well, I responded all right in the moment. I didn't say anything, but now my heart is so bitter, Right? But no, it's like, no, these things are pillars in my life. I'm deciding about my faith. I'm continually going into the weight room, and every time it bubbles back up, I'm going back in, and I'm spending that time with God, and I'm saying, God, I want to be this person. I want to be a virtuous person. God, I want to be self-controlled. God, I want to use this knowledge to glorify you, not to make myself more angry. And that decision to continue to make that decision, Peter says, we need to persevere in that decision. And in that, we add to that godliness. What is godliness? 
Godliness is sameness, but it also always has an eye toward eternity. As God thinks about you, it is so easy for us to slip back in to thinking about our lives as day to day and, oh, I've got this many years and, oh, you know, our time and all that. God's always thinking about eternity. God sees your life as a frozen rope out in front of him. He sees the beginning. He sees the end of your life here on earth. He sees you into eternity. He's always thinking about that. And as I'm, as, I'm, as I'm doing all of this exercise and I'm in there and I'm processing all of this, my mind has to continually turn back to the fact that this is not my home. This life is so short. And I add to this godliness, which is the perspective of eternity. And it leads me to a place of being grounded in those moments and those times of disappointment. He says to add to this mutual affection. And this mutual affection is the Greek word Philadelphia. It's brotherly love, right? Because Peter says, listen, if you're going to be a Christian, your life can never be just about you. And it's really hard when I'm disappointed because I, I want to have my little pity party and nobody's invited. And, uh, and all I think about is me and my world just shrinks, right? I get disappointment and my world just shrinks down and I'm just Oh, what about me? And oh, I had these plans. And oh, I had these hopes. And oh, I wanted this. And oh, this was my desire. And I can't believe that they did that. And I can't believe that they did the other. And I can't. And I, my, my world can just shrink down in. And Peter says, no, if, you're, if you've got faith and goodness and, and self-control and perseverance and this knowledge and you're godly in that, it causes you no, even in my disappointment, I'm not going to have just a sole focus on me but I'm going to care about the people around me. And lastly, he says, love. And this word is agape. This is unconditional love. And this is God's vision for you and for me, that even when I face disappointment, through this process, through this exercise, I mature to the place where circumstances no longer impact my love for God and my love for people around me. This is what maturity looks like. James says that I mature and I'm lacking nothing. Peter says I grow up into agape love as the end result. Guys, I'm not there yet. I, this is my goal. Uh, may, maybe, you're, maybe you're there and, uh, and you can teach us a lesson on agape love and I would love to hear it. Maybe you're perfectly mature and it doesn't matter what happens in your life. You love everybody unconditionally and perfectly every day of your life. I'm not there yet, but this is the goal. This is where God desires to lead us to a place where whatever happens in our lives, the ups and downs of life, that God is always going to, to be there and, and maturing us and us being grounded and secure in that. That's the goal, is that we are unaffected. It, I know I've said this, okay? That can't be the goal if there's this false idea that our lives are going to be perfect and there's not going to be any ups and downs. I, I just, I, I'm not going to, you know, I, I only circle around to this every once in a while, so I just got to keep hitting it over and over again. If you think, well, I gave my life to Jesus, I got baptized, and now life's going to be perfect, the enemy is going to beat you to death because that's not how it works. There's ups and downs in all of our lives. And God wants to bring us to a place of saying, even in the ups and downs, I'm able to mature you and grow you. Even in the disappointments, these things are going to turn out eventually for your good. 
you know, that's a lot to remember, you know. In fact, I had him leave the scripture up because I, I couldn't remember them all, right? And I even repeated them to you. I'm out of order. And I think it's so interesting that Peter says, you know what, this is a lot to remember. Look, he continues in verse 12, 2 Peter 1, verse 12, he says this. So I will often, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon be put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. I, I, I think it's interesting. He, he refers to the fact that he's writing them a letter. He's got it written down. And, and maybe 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 9 is something that you circle and you come back to in that moment of disappointment. But the, the truth is that in that moment of disappointment, you need to remember God is still in control. And, I, and he's inviting me into the weight room here. How am I going to handle it? Even if I can't remember all the details. I mean, I know that this has been a beautiful, powerful sermon. But Peter wrote the word of God, and he said, you may not be able to remember it all. But in that moment of disappointment, remember that God is still in control. Remember that he wants to accomplish something. Be able to take that half step back through the strength of the Holy Spirit because it's easier said than done. Take that half step back and say, you know what? God can work even in this situation. I feel this bitterness of disappointment. The sadness of this dream dying or this expectation going unmet. But God can still work in this situation. I'm not going to give up on the fact that God can still move and God can still work in my life. You know what? Maybe you're going through a disappointment right now. Maybe there's something that's come to light. Maybe there's something that's happening in your life and, and you're feeling it. And this is a timely message for you. You're like... You're going to send me an email this week and say, how did you know? And I don't know anything. It's the Holy Spirit. But maybe you're going through this right now and you need to hear this message and hear that God is still in control and still working. And, and it's so easy for us to just focus on this life, but just take a half step back and look at eternity. And you're an eternal being. And God is working in you. Maybe, maybe this is a message that you need to put in your back pocket because, guys, listen, all of us are going to face ups and downs in life. And it's important in that moment because when that moment comes, you can detonate the situation right there in that moment, can't you? I mean, you can just, you can just cuss everybody out right there. You can just detonate in that moment. And you need to realize that those pivotal moments are coming. And in that moment, maybe just all the strength you have is just to stand, right? Just not to blow up like, oh, I can't do anything. Just not detonate. Trust God enough just not to detonate in this moment. And step back and I'm gonna read 2 Peter again and I'm gonna try. But in that pivotal moment, you need to be ready. You need to have this in your heart. God is in control. God is in control. God is working. Take a step back. See that wisdom. And I want to pray for us now. I want to pray if, if you are here in this room, if you're watching online this morning and you're experiencing a time of disappointment, I want you to know that God is with you. He sees you. He's working in you. God, we come to you right now, Lord. There's some of our brothers and sisters, Lord, whose hearts are heavy even in this moment. 
God, we're so proud of them for even coming to church this morning, for even taking the time to get online and to watch, Lord. We believe that maybe it was your Holy Spirit that led them into this moment. And God, we ask you, Lord, that you would touch them, that you would strengthen them. Lord, that you would give them a peace that passes understanding so strong in their hearts to know, Lord, that you're still in control. And God, even though they had this dream that was just so clear to them, God, that they wanted so much and they've prayed about and they've longed for, and yet now they know that's not going to happen. Whatever in their life has been derailed, Lord, that they would sense you near and that they would know, God, that you're in control. And Lord, that you would send people into their lives that can speak life into them and speak peace into them. Father, that you would show them what it is to have joy in the Lord even when in the passenger seat there's just this bitter sadness. But Lord, to know that you're in control. God, we love them. We pray your blessing on them. But God, we know that our love for them pales in comparison to yours. May you overwhelm them with your love, God. God, for those of us that are not in this moment dealing with disappointment, I pray, God, that you would allow our hearts, God, to be transformed and open so that in that moment, God, when disappointment comes, that, Lord, we're able to turn to you and able to be strengthened and able to accomplish a purpose even in what wants to destroy us. We're thankful, God, because you're so beautiful that you can take beauty from ashes. And we rejoice in who you are. And ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand together this morning as our prayer team comes. If you have something coming up this week and you, you need to agree in prayer, there's power in prayer. If you have a family member of yours that doesn't know the Lord or is trapped in an addiction, they would love to agree with you in prayer this morning, even as we dismiss and everybody heads out the door. They would love to agree with you here in prayer this morning for whatever is on your heart and is weighing on you. I love you. I, I, I love you. I, I, hope, I hope you know that I pray for you and I wrestle for you. And as I thought about this, this week and this message and the disappointments that you might be facing, I, I, I just, I love you and I trust the Lord for you. God, I pray your blessing on your people as they go from this place. Give them peace that passes understanding, peace that is so strong in their lives, God, that the people around them take notice and they come and they say, what's different about you? Even in the ups and downs of life that I see you going through, you still seem to be grounded. And our answer will be, it's Jesus. It's the joy of the Lord. He's the one that helps me. I thank you, Lord, for this peace, and I pray your blessing on your people now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Peace be with you.